When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to really advocate for myself because I just had this feeling things weren't right. Hello and welcome to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. This podcast is for you if you find yourself longing for a baby and then finding that the path to bringing them home is not easy. It's for you if you've had enough of feeling like you're losing sight of yourself because that's how I felt too. And it's also for you if you're supporting someone going through this and want to understand a little bit more. So welcome to a totally safe space, honest conversation, real and raw stories shared and a little bit of topical stuff too because I really believe it's not all down to you to get through this. The world needs to catch up too. Hello, welcome back to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. I am here to support and empower you if you didn't know that already. So welcome. If you are new, it's such a pleasure to have you. Um, This is the third series of this little podcast and we have had some extraordinary people on here. So if this is the first time you've listened, like do go back to the back catalogue and have a good old um, rummage through, um, have a good old binge. I have been really, really uh, loving some of the feedback that you guys have sent me over the last few weeks. So do keep it coming. I really, really love hearing from you. If you hear something that you want to discuss more of, if you hear, if you feel like there's something that you'd really love to hear discussed on this podcast, then definitely get in touch with me. It's Alice at thisisalicerose.com. On my Instagram, it's thisisalicerose. And my website is thisisalicerose.com. Uh, it's all quite straightforward. So <laughs> come and find me. Get in touch. I really do love to hear from you. I've got lots of good stuff coming up. So, Without further ado, let me introduce you to this week's wonderful guest who is a friend of mine uh, who I met through this community, through Instagram, through sharing our stories, through feeling similarly in that we just had been through these experiences and found that we didn't have the support that we specifically needed that was out there, the sort of support that we needed. Um, and Becky's story is is quite amazing and she's going to share it in much more detail um, with us in this episode. If you, if you don't know her, then and then you'll find out a lot more about her and why she does what she does. So um, she is a mum to three girls now, all thanks to egg donation. And she says that she remembered just how alone and lost she felt on her fertility journey, as well as how little donor conception was talked about. And so she started her Defining Mum blog almost three years ago. Uh, and that share uh, that was to share both her fertility struggles, but also her reflections and parenting journey now. And then in 2020, she launched her virtual donor conception support platform, Paths to Parent Hub, which is designed to offer information, support and much needed connection for anyone needing to use a donor to build their family. I so enjoyed this chat with Becky. I have, I I knew her story before, but actually when I had a proper sit down, a good chat with her, it just became ever more uh, clear why the work that she's doing is so important and there is a specific you know process that people do go through when they need to consider this route Um, and one of the things that I loved that comes up right at you know towards the the beginning was that there was um, a point that she made which is that, that at one point she didn't even want to consider this road she did she was not there she didn't want to hear success stories of of uh, you know donor conception she, she wasn't ready to hear it and then there was a change when 
you know, they realised that this was the road that they would be walking down if they were going to end up having the family that they dreamed of. So she's going to share much more about that. I'm going to be quiet and I really hope that you love this episode. If you do, please, please do go on and screenshot it, share it, send it to your friends, um, pop a review on Apple. And if you're not on Apple, then just send me a message. All feedback, all uh, conversation that we have like between you and me is just invaluable. So definitely, you know, get in touch, let me know, find Becky, I'll put her contact and everything in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. And yeah, let me know what you think. Hi, Becky. Hi, lovely to see you, Alice. (laughs) That was always really awkward, because we definitely have just had a chat before I hit record. We have, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. And I actually can't believe it's taken me until series three, to be able to have this chat but in a way I'm quite pleased because so much has changed since I started making the fertility life off like two and a half years ago or something you are offering so much support now that that actually wasn't there so it's still quite new actually considering you know how how amazing it is and how much it's developed um so I feel like this is a really great time to talk to you and to hear your story actually so why don't we why don't we start with that if you're happy to share tell us what your story is how how did you come to be working in this space fabulous yes yeah, so I'll dive right in um so I, my story started back when I was 27 so my husband and I decided we wanted to have a family and we started trying to conceive I came off the pill which I'd been on for years and years and we found that sort of six months in I started to think that something wasn't quite right um so the things that were kind of warning signs for me I was having periods anything between every 14 to 21 days so like really really short cycles where when I googled I was like that is not long enough to make a baby Um, But I I tried to go to the GP quite early on and I was turned away because of my age and I was sort of told, look, you're young, just keep trying. Um, And it took me three goes before I managed to actually get them to run some hormone tests. I think they were probably sick of me by that point. But I had to really advocate for myself because I just had this feeling things weren't right. Um, And I hadn't put two and two together. But at the same time, I was having night sweats. um, I was anxious. I just hadn't I just didn't feel myself. And. Um, I was kind of putting it down to the fact that things weren't happening I was getting a bit stressed about it and you kind of when you get from the GP oh just go and relax and just keep having sex and you just feel like you're overreacting and not taking just like you're not being taken seriously so yeah finally when I did get some hormone tests run they they looked at my follicle stimulating hormones so my FSH and sort of the day three levels and I had a text message to say yep everything's fine um no further action needed and I thought oh great so phew there's I'm okay something will happen and I don't know why but I just had this niggle and I thought I'm just going to find out how fine I am because I'd done so much reading around it and and so I I spoke to um the receptionist said could I get a copy of my results and I went to pick them up later that day and it was when I sat in the car and I opened the envelope I just I still remember that moment seeing the number my FSH was sort of 17.9 17.9 and I, I knew from reading it had to be below 10 um and so I sort of went home in a bit of a panic and then googled everything and basically I, I just looked and I thought I'm sure this means that I'm nearing menopause and that's everything that I kept reading and so I eventually went to see a private specialist just to get some answers and they sort of rerun the tests and I had my anti-malarian hormone test of my AMH levels and that came back as drastically low for my age. So my AMH was 0.7. And I was basically told that my egg reserve was really, really low. Um, and given that I was having the sort of cycles I was having and the symptoms with the night sweats and everything else, they said, look, you're you're in perimenopause. So sort of heading towards menopause. And if you want to try and have a baby with your eggs, you're going to have to act quickly because times against you and so sort of within it was sort of within the first year of trying we had this news and then suddenly we were told look you're going to need to have IVF you're probably not going to be able to wait um for the NHS referral if you want to do it now you go privately and I mean we were fortunate enough to be able to afford to do that um and we yeah within six weeks of diagnosis I was 
a fertility clinic going through my first IVF cycle. And to be honest, at the time, I don't think I really took it in. I think I was just kind of running on adrenaline and adrenaline and hope. And I thought, right, this is it. This is the answer. This is going to be. And I was that naive person going into the fertility clinic thinking, yeah, IVF equals a baby. And that's how we're going to get there. And we we were kind of warned that we weren't expecting huge numbers of eggs. Um, and we had three eggs from my first cycle and we had just one embryo to transfer on day three. And so I had the transfer and yeah, two weeks later, I got a positive pregnancy test. And I thought, wow, this that wasn't so bad, really. It was the hard parts over. And again, in that very naive state first time round, where you don't really think what could go wrong later on down the line and it was about seven weeks where I started to have some pains and I thought oh I don't feel quite right and we ended up having an early scan and that showed that um, there was an empty sac and eventually sort of three weeks later I was diagnosed with a miscarriage and had to go through the medical procedure and eventually surgery and that was, I think, the point where it all really hit me. I think from then on, before then, I'd just been sort of fighting, let's do something, do something, do something. And then suddenly it started to dawn on me that we'd been through all of that. We'd got one embryo from it and we had nothing to show for it. And I think that was when I started to grieve the kind of possibility that I might not have a child that is genetically um, mine in, in that sense. And so we went back to the clinic and they were quite hopeful again. They were always hopeful because of my age. And it makes me wonder how long they would have gone on for. Um, my husband became very cynical that it was more about, oh, well, we're quite an easy target with money. And yeah, we can, how long do you keep going for? Um, but yeah, we had another four cycles of IVF within sort of a space of another year. So very kind of close to each other where we never got to another pregnancy. We, it was either we didn't get to transfer or we had a, a negative result. And it was over that kind of time period where I started to think about other options and, and different paths. And donor eggs were mentioned. Um, but at the very beginning, when they were mentioned to me, I was in complete denial. That is not going to be me. And every time I'd be on the forums, kind of searching this was before Instagram, searching for people in the same position, I, I just didn't want to hear the stories of people who would use donor eggs. I wanted to hear the miracle stories of those who had beaten the odds and, and that was going to be me. And, and I didn't want to have to consider that option. But I think it was more around sort of the middle of cycle three, where I eventually met somebody through a Netmoms forum who had you used donor eggs and she had a little boy through donor eggs and she was great because she never once pushed me down that route she just said look you will know if it's right for you and if you're ready for it at the moment you're not you need to keep doing what you need to do um and hopefully it'll work and and she was just amazing and became sort of my lifeline really through through that process where she'd be the first person I'd be texting after a scan off obviously after uh, my husband but she she gave me hope in a in a strange way and it was when I finally met up with her um she was with her son and that was the point where I think I really started to see the possibilities of what that would bring and I saw their bond and I saw their relationship and I saw them as nothing other than a mother and son and they've I think I'd always had this feeling in my mind that it, there was, it was so different to how I'd imagined that it would never feel right for me. And I remember getting back in the car after meeting with them and I just cried because I just suddenly realised I could still have everything I ever wanted. And it was a really weird turning point because I started to kind of realise all the things that I could gain from going down this path rather than everything that I would be losing. And yeah, I think having met her I started to think more seriously about the idea we'd, we'd already got onto the waiting list because we knew it was going to be such a long wait anyway in the UK so we kind of had dipped our toes in but I'd never fully committed um Matt took a little bit longer so he was like no no we got pregnant first time it will work it will work and so we had to work through some of that um, I'm typically quite an impatient person. I'm not very good. The waiting in between cycles for me was the worst. I just, when I felt like I wasn't actively doing anything, 
I really, really struggled with my mental health. Um, and I think it was around sort of after cycle four where Matt slowly started to come around to the idea as well and said, look, let's start exploring other options. Um, and then after cycle five failed, I kind of knew it was right because we'd already explored some options with donor eggs, but I didn't feel as devastated as I thought I would because I felt like I'd got a backup plan in a sense. And I hate calling it a backup plan because where I am now with my girls, they're, they're never the backup plan. They were everything we wanted, but it was just a different route to get there. Um, and yeah, so we quite soon after the, the fail cycle number five, we traveled out to the Czech Republic and um, we were matched with the donor quite quickly. Um, and yeah, we had a cycle where we had five embryos from that donor and we had one put back and that's now my almost five-year-old um, who's going to be five on Saturday, um, little girl Mila. Um, and then a year later, we went back to try for a sibling. Um, didn't realise till we got there that they'd frozen our remaining four embryos in pairs. So there was no other option than to have two put back because um, I was not going to let one go. Um, and yeah, now I have twins, um, Esker and Lena, who are three. So yeah, I'm now a mum to three girls and I wouldn't change any of it for the world. Um, but what I try to do now is to share that journey, um, both my feelings before and also now as a parent, because I think it's great to sit there and go, yeah, everything's worked out and it's all wonderful. But there are so many different emotional challenges along the way and triggers and, and grief that doesn't necessarily go away when you've had your child. There's still a lot to work through. And I think what I came to realise only really probably after I had Esker and Lena was the, the magnitude of everything that I'd been through, which I didn't even realise at the time. And the the fact that the decision wasn't necessarily just to use the different treatment, which is, it is so often presented as, oh, you could just try donor eggs um, as another option. It, it's a completely new path and it's a complete different decision. And it doesn't just impact you, it impacts your child as well and, and, and their story. So I think there's just there's so much work to be done around supporting people through that and helping them to build their own family narratives and having that confidence to kind of talk about their story without shame, um, which I know there is a lot of shame around donor conception and, you know, kind of, so I started sharing through Defining Mum be about two and a half years ago now. And that's where I came across you, Alice, and you were kind of one of the first accounts that I found. And I've had so much inspiration from what you have shared and what you've done that I think it really has helped me to kind of work out where I am in this space and, and how to deliver certain messages. So thank you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I started with that and, and really enjoyed actually being able to share. And it, I, it was almost a bit like therapy for me in a way, just being able to talk some of these things out and write it down and and in many ways, I kind of imagine that the girls may read some of it when they're older and, and understand a bit more. And we're very, very open and, and very proud as well about our family. Um, but it was sort of during beginning of 2020 where I started to think, right, OK, I'm getting a bit more confidence now. I've got a network of people who I know. Um, I'm terrible with imposter syndrome. Who am I to do this? But I really wanted to put on an event for people to come along to meet other people who are going down the donor conception route and to hear from different people like their stories and perspectives and bring it to life and so I set up my first event which was going to happen May last year and obviously then Covid happened um, so I had to cancel but in a way I'm really pleased it did because I it led me to rethink what I could deliver and what I could pull together for people and that's where Paths to Parent Hub came from and um, which is a virtual platform for information, support and connection for people who are on this path. So I always see myself as a curator, really, rather than I'm not the expert to deliver all this information, but I've got a number of different people now who speak for me on the different emotional topics relating to donor conception. But also um, I host support groups and I have a little community now, which is away from social media where people can connect with each other and just hear different stories because 
it's not just one path. There's donor sperm, there's donor embryos, there's double donation, egg donation. There's people who have mixed families. There's known donation. There's so many different pathways within donor conception. Um, and all can feel quite lonely until you then meet somebody else who's been on it. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where I have come to where I am today um, in quite a long way. Well, I did interrupt you, Becky, because I know, and I'm sure all of the listeners would have been (laughs) hanging on everyone. And I've even heard your story before, and I know your story, but it's it's so um, it's such an uplifting story. And I love. There's so many things that I'd love to pull out of what you said there that I feel like you know listeners to this podcast would um, be able to really benefit from hearing a bit more about I think the first thing like is to just wind all the way back to your kind of proactivity and your self-advocation when you were actually right at the start of your journey you know I'm still like you know I think you you had your article out just last week didn't you in um, the newspaper which is amazing um, basically saying you were fobbed off you were fobbed off by your GP you were not listened to you were told to go away you're young it literally like it it makes me really cross and I think the more I work in this space the more I'm understanding uh, particularly women um women's health is not given the time and the space and the attention that it is that is needed I mean you were having periods you know you were saying 14 to 21 days apart that's not normal that's not right and you knew that so tell me more about how did you sort of find the um I guess like what motivated you to self-advocate on on that level kind of know the answer really but tell me about that yeah I think um I remember I remember one of the appointments really vividly actually and I went in I remember it was the second one um the first time I'd been told that oh it's just your body settling down after the pill and there was no investigation whatsoever um and so it took quite a bit of confidence to go back because I thought, well, but I, ju- I think I just had one of my shortest cycles and I thought, well, I'm going to use this. And I'd been tracking my ovulation. So I'd got a chart. I'd gone in armed with all of these different things, which she didn't even want to look at. And I remember walking in and seeing it was a it was a female. And I thought, great, it's a woman this time. She's going to understand. But she was the worst one. And she almost laughed at me like almost oh stop being silly you've only come off the pill this long and you've been on it for so long and I remember getting back in the car and I just cried because I thought I feel like I'm overreacting here and I'm being and and I could have just gone away and left it and I I just had this feeling inside and I thought no I'm gonna try again I can't even remember now the time scales and Maybe, I think partly my personality is part of the reason why, because I am, I am impatient. I need an answer for something. If I don't get it, I'll just keep asking. Um, and so I phoned up and I, I managed to get a male GP and it was only me saying, look, I've been here three times. I'm sure there is something wrong. And I, I kind of wish now I'd have mentioned the night sweats a bit more, but I hadn't tied the two together. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it was just having to, it really, really find that within me to know that this is my life. This is my body. They, they don't really mind what happens if I go away for six months, but I do. And it's affecting my mental health. And it's, I just want, all I'm asking for are some tests and that's all I want. And yeah, finally, I think they just gave in on the end, but I could tell they weren't really that interested. And even the fact that they looked at my results and misinterpreted them. And I, I remember speaking to the the doctor afterwards and I said I don't understand how you can say that that is a normal result having read what I've read and he said oh yeah it, that's not normal is it he says oh so I thought it was a mid-cycle test and I was like saying to him well what would a mid-cycle test tell you like it, it, and and I think there is just that general lack of education lack of empathy as well at times yeah. and, and I, I think if you find a good GP who can really kind of empathize and and hold your hand and support you through that initial diagnosis it can be hugely helpful because I don't think you realize you think you think about going through an infertility journey as being kind of the IVF part and the but actually those initial diagnosis Mm. times are some of the hardest because you go from thinking oh I'm just gonna have sex and have a baby like everybody else seems to do suddenly realizing you're going to need a major medical intervention and and I remember feeling like I was broken in some way and and kind of the word menopause as well like you mm-hmm. I felt old before my time I felt weird I felt really alone and um 
less of a woman in some ways as well and and it's just I hear from so many people who are diagnosed with POI and they're just literally told that and then left and Mm. and that it's not right because it is it's a huge emotional impact never mind the fact that you might not be able to have children you've then got to process the the fact that you may need HRT for decades and this is exactly what was in the article just a couple of weeks ago but Mm. yeah I think I would just say to people if you're in that position you feel like you're not being listened to don't be afraid to try again because it is your body it it is your life and if I'd have gone on for another six months another year another two years that would have been time wasted in in what I could have been doing something about um yeah what the issue was and and if it turns out that there isn't an issue then great you can go along and you you have that confidence to know there's not that issue but it is just so important I think to to get answers if you feel like something's not right yeah and it's it's exactly that having the informed making the informed decision because how can you move forward in any way if you don't have the correct information and actually if you if there's something that's the thing I think that's why um you know being being in in tune with your own mental health and understanding right hang on I'm not feeling this isn't feeling right like if something doesn't feel right it's not right it doesn't matter what is on the paper not on the paper like if it doesn't feel right you need more reassurance so even if that paper was normal even if those results were normal you deserved a proper amount of attention and to be listened to and for things to be explained to you in a way that made sense and that made you feel like you you were being heard as the patient I think it's so imperative thank you for sharing that because I think uh, yeah and a lot of the time you know it does it it does fall on the patient and also that is okay in some ways like it's okay that we have to take ownership of of this experience but also to just kind of be aware of it like you said like the GP the doctors the nurses actually no one is going to care as much as you do (laughs) about it which sounds a bit harsh but it it, it's quite important to make that decision and I think as well that you know we're brought up and I think I was guilty of this for a long time is just kind of expecting that the doctor is going to know exactly what to do with me so I'll just give myself over and you know trust that they're just going to do everything and there's there is a time and a place for trust and surrender and all of that but that's that's different to this which is you know that knowing yeah Um, yeah and so coming into yeah gosh I can read that picture you painted there of like opening the results in your car and just seeing that word and then feeling I can't like just feeling so alone with it as well Mm. and then going into that you know into your first round of IVF and having that this is fine IVF equals a baby we rearrange this narrative as well don't we absolutely yeah I talk about this all the time because that's that's what people think and so I remember actually saying to a couple of people at work I was always quite open about things and I felt almost like I got to explain my absence in some ways and I I sort of said oh I'm going through IVF and I was so often met with oh my goodness that's so exciting and because people expect that it equals a baby and yeah in in some cases it does but that's not the reality for so many people and some some people it takes many times and for some people it will never happen and I think it is having that realistic view as well and I I I do think in some ways it's quite nice to go into that first cycle with that naivety and I kind of used to wish I was back in that mindset because I, I felt almost um more hopeful than I did scared and then the following cycles I sort of my my hope dwindled um but yeah I think so many people do kind of go into that and and it's like even when I went into starting to try for a baby I didn't really know that much about it, it kind of just, mm. and that's the thing I was like I'm 27 years old here I don't actually know other than having sex how to make a baby and like having to work out oh right it's only a certain period of time where you can actually get pregnant and how does that work and then that was when I sort of led me down the route of realizing that my cycles were nowhere near long enough to even create a baby and yeah so I think there, there's a lot of work around education as well and um, just managing the expectations of those around us because quite often what we need when we're saying we're going through IVF is okay what can I do to support you not oh my god this is so exciting you're going to have a baby because mm. 
then you almost feel like you're disappointing people when you say it hasn't worked. Yeah, and it kind of layers the pressure on, doesn't it? I absolutely, I, I was also talking about that response because I know that in my membership, some people were saying, why do people keep telling me it's exciting when actually I am feeling nervous, anxious, scared, fearful? So when you're feeling all of those feelings, you need your friends and family to go, we're here, we love you. Exactly what you said, what can I do? And there is definitely an education piece because it, it, as, as well-meaning as those comments are, um, it's not helpful. You know, we just need to sit with them. And maybe it is exciting for that. And if they are excited, lovely, but let them express it first and then go, oh, good, you're excited. Great, I'm here for that. And then, and then go with the, you know, let the person, yeah. whatever it is, let the person who is going through the thing share how they feel about it before you, you know, layer on top what you feel yeah. or how you feel it should be in quotation marks um <laughs> i would love to talk a little bit more about hope that you mentioned there as well because you you said that your hope kind of was reignited when you realized there was another option there was another pathway and i love that because we i i have a little bit of an issue with with hope <laughs> and i think yeah. that, that the issue is is when we say you know how how do you keep hoping it's like well if you keep hoping for that one outcome, you kind of don't allow any other outcome to even become, you know, possible. So actually, if you expand it a little bit and think, well, I'm just hopeful that I'm going to reach a form of peace and happiness, wherever, however that it comes to me, you're going to, you're going to allow much more to kind of come in. So tell me about how your hope shifted from, these you know IVF cycles with my eggs are going to work to oh maybe I could have this in a different way yeah um I think actually it all comes back to the name defining mum so it's almost like around redefining what my dream was um but it wasn't just as simple as kind of thinking that didn't happen overnight it was a, a full full-on grieving process I realize now when I look back and like I say, I went into that first IVF cycle, really hopeful that this is going to give us a baby, never even considering any other option that we're going to have a baby through this cycle. And then I think that hope, it was still there cycle two, I'd gotten pregnant, let's do this, we can do this again. And we just need to get a bit further. And then every time I had a failure or things didn't work, it, it definitely dwindled. And I started to lose faith. And I I remember us speaking to the doctor and Matt is completely different to me. So I'm very emotional, emotionally driven, um, kind of heart um, overhead. And Matt is very logical um, and I want statistics and tell me what you think. And I remember at one point he said to the doctor, like, can you just give me a percentage chance of it working with Becky's eggs versus a percentage chances if we were to ever even think about going down the donor route. And, and he said, well, realistically you're looking at a less than five percent chance with Becky's eggs and you can keep going and we may find that golden egg and we but if you move to donor eggs you're looking at an over 50 percent chance and in some places I mean the success rates can go up to 70 percent and and I think sometimes hearing that can really make a difference as well because you think about how much emotions you how many emotions you kind of invest into each cycle and it's draining it's exhausting and then also I mean I didn't even dare look at how much we had spent on IVF as well because this it wasn't a bottomless pit of money and we were kind of using resources that had been earmarked for future and we got to a point where actually the the hard facts were a, a driver in making that decision as well um but the real hope for me being emotionally driven that was seeing my friend with her little boy and just realizing that okay I've always had this dream that I'd have a child of my own genetics and I would see myself in them I would I'm a real resentment mini me of my mum with we're so similar that I just imagined I'd have a mini me as well um and then I started to realise that actually it's not the fact that we look alike, that we're close, me and my mum. There's so many other reasons. It's the time spent together. It's the way she raised me. And and then seeing my friend with, with her little boy. And I started to think about, OK, what is it I really want from being a mum? And I, I wanted those 
I wanted to carry. I really wanted to give birth. I wanted to feed. I wanted to have those sleepless nights, although when I was in them, <laughs> it was a, it's a strange feeling. Um, I wanted to do all of the things like picking Mila up from school. I get to see her running out to me with open arms shouting mummy and that's not genetic that's because I'm a mum and I started to realize that those were the experiences I wanted to have more than anything and seeing my friend with her little boy I realized that you don't need genetics to love somebody in that way and yeah I think I would never say that I went into it 100% completely this is right this is for me I don't think you can ever really be in that position and actually someone said something really interesting to me the other day which I think captured it really well they said when you go down the donor conception route it's all abstract until you have your child so everything is all quite unknown there's you don't know quite how you're going to feel how you're going to bond and I suppose that's the same for anybody who has a child in any way but you always know that genetic link is there um and so yeah that's a really long explanation for kind of how my hope dwindled but then how it was reignited through both the facts and the the kind of statistics of the likelihood of it actually working, but also redefining what that outcome would be and what that would mean for me and, and us as a family. Oh, I love that, Becky. Redefine. I mean, like, yeah, you, you know, I remember when you very first found me on Instagram because I remember your message saying, "Would you have just started this little?" It was like a tiny little blog, and like you, were, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, what an amazing story! And I remember sharing it and thinking, "Love, love, love." The title, "Defining Mum," and just thinking, "That's it!" Like redefining. And I think that that can also, you know, with the work that I do and helping people to do, yeah, that redesign, reframe make a conscious choice about what is it you actually want and I love that you were asking yourself that question as well what what is it that I want from this yeah and then how can I therefore make that happen and it's actually you know it's a it's a cognitive coaching technique stepping into your future self thinking right where do I want to be what do I want to get to and basically just working backwards from there in order to bring that reality to life and making sure that your mind is kind of I guess open enough to think about other possibilities and exactly as you say you know this is not to um forget that hugely you know challenging and emotional um hurdles that you need to go through and the and the grief that you you need to uh, process as well which we'll talk about in a sec but yeah I love that there was that moment for you where you just recognized that you know maybe I can actually have everything I want it's just going to be slightly different to how I always thought how I always always planned um yeah and with so with the yeah let's talk about that then let's talk about the those emotional challenges and that that Mm. that grief that comes up and how did you process it how do you process it what is your advice I'll be honest at the time I had I didn't even have any awareness of it so this is all kind of all everything I share is kind of retrospective reflection and thinking because I don't think I realized at the time what I was going through I felt like I was sort of firefighting through it constantly wading through mud at times my emotions were all over the place I don't I I just always want to point out the fact that I I did really struggle I mean I can sound I can talk about it so easily now but at the time I, I struggled with work I struggled with um being able to express myself without bursting into tears um and yeah so I I think it was only actually I remember after I started the blog and I started listening to some podcasts yours being one of them and then I listened to um a podcast specifically about donor conception um through Natalie the fertility podcast and it was a a session where it was with a counsellor um Jana Rupno and she was talking about grief and the grief that you go through in in giving up what you've always imagined in terms of your your dream and and redefining it to become a new pathway and I sat in the car with that I don't know as many times I've sat in the car and cried but that was another one where it was just like relief I was like wow I wasn't overreacting this was a huge life-changing event and it it's definitely changed me as a person and yeah so I 
I don't think I, I even would have used the word grief when I was in the midst of it. But now I look back and I realise that it, it really was. And I can I almost see the, 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 you know, the change curve, you got denial and then <laughs> sort of anger, frustration. And I remember feeling jealousy, even just sat in the IVF waiting like and thinking she's going to have way more eggs than me. And <laughs> all of these things are all well. And if someone was saying they were going through IVF, I'd almost be like, well, yeah, and almost like, oh, you don't have to think about having to let go of your genetics. And it was like this extra layer that seemed to eat away at me at the time. And and I say like it was when I came round to the idea of being able to redefine what that meant and and almost regain that hope that I think I realised that I'd done most of my grieving. I'd kind of I'd been through it. I'd been through the worst. I'd I'd sobbed and sobbed and and even though it, I would still get sad, I don't think it's, it's one of those things. I, I think I'd started to accept what my reality was. And it's almost at the point where I could sit down and logically say to myself, okay, this is where I am now. I'm not going to be able to have a child with my own eggs, but what do I want from life? And I still want to be a mum. And this is a great way of still allowing me to do that. And um, it was almost like making a compromise with myself, really. I got to kind of think about okay am I willing to let that go to then move myself forward because I did feel stuck I felt like I couldn't progress anywhere else in my life because I didn't feel like I was living until this had happened and it's a really and I remember you shared a quote before around don't let try and stop you from living and I that resonated so much with me because I definitely let it stop me and it was sort of later on through our process, we decided we were actually going to get married because we were engaged at the beginning and then we put it on hold. And I, and that helped me because that allowed me to feel like I was focusing on something else. Um, but yeah, it, it totally consumed me. Um, and I think it's always worth mentioning as well when it comes to grief is it's not something you ever just get over and you never think about again. It's like the triggers that you often have. I'm still... I've got three children now, but a pregnancy announcement out of the blue can still knock me. Um, a comment, actually I had a comment just this morning about who my children look like that can still knock me. So I was just at a music class with Esker and Lena this morning and um, one of the other mums commented on how much Lena looks like Mila, my eldest. Um, and I said, oh yeah, they do. And then she said, they must look just like their dad. And she didn't say because they don't look like you, but that's kind of what it implied. And I just felt this, even though I'm totally comfortable with it now, it just, it was like that resurgence of a little bit of grief of what I'm not going to have with them. I'm not going to share those resemblances. And um, I saw a really good kind of description of grief recently where it said grief doesn't actually get smaller, but you grow around it. And so you, you feel it less because you've grown so much but it doesn't mean it's disappeared it's still part of you and I really liked that because I think it's a great way of showing that you you can move on and you can accept a different path like like we have and still find so much joy but that can coexist with the grief as well um, um and yeah I think sometimes you hear stories of people who've used donor eggs and it, it is all like oh this is amazing we're all happy now and and then I I think I would have looked at that and in the early days particularly and thought well why am I still feeling sad about this or why am I still getting triggered by certain things and and that's why I try to share the both sides of it really and um, not through rose-tinted spectacles but just to say that there there are still challenges and and it's not with donor conception you can't just forget about it and get on with your life in in that sense you've still got to think about how you're going to talk to your children about it and and innocent comments around resemblances and things that tend to come up um particularly when you've got a newborn it's it's something you've got to work through and it's a continuous process I think even as you're parenting as they reach different stages of their development as well mm, yeah I love the um I've seen that thing about grief as well and there's a really good diagram isn't there I think of the it's like a ball in a box or something like that and then yes. the box grows yeah. That's exactly it. And I think I, I, I tried to talk about this as well, that, that, that these moments of, um, you know, sad, sadness and happiness do coexist. Mm. And, and the thing is, it coexists 
with anything that we go through in life you know like yeah. so life life is this rich beautiful complex difficult painful amazing tapestry of all these different things and our role I think is to just go through it in the most kind of compassionate self-compassionate way that we can so to think about you know understanding that there's nothing wrong with you if you go through this path and you are still triggered or you know you do have those moments where you're you do grieve that you're gonna not have those resemblances or that you know whatever else does come up and that that's okay um there's so I mean I could I could I feel like I could talk to you all day but I'm, I'm conscious of time so I'm going to ask you what would you say what's in your life raft and what was in your life raft at the time um so if I go back to at the time um I think oh my god I wish I'd have had the Instagram community and everything that's available now because it would have helped me feel less alone um completely um but if I look back at the time I'm, I've mentioned her a few times the friend I made through the Netbums forum she was my lifeline and she was my connection so I'd say connection is really really key with somebody who has experienced it because I don't think anyone can truly understand particularly something like donor conception unless you've been there I think it's it's very unique journey um I would say also in my life raft, I'm going through people at the moment, but Matt, my husband would be in there. And yeah, I think it, it was probably a really tough time for him because I really, really struggled. And he kind of kept me afloat and kept me sane. And we would have, our, we'd spend our Friday evenings, would we'd walk around, the, we live in the countryside, we'd walk around the fields near us and then we'd walk down to this local pub for a pizza night. And that was our kind of download time. And that was our time to talk about kind of next steps and what we're doing and how we're feeling over a few drinks and and so we felt like we were kind of doing something nice but at the same time we had that dedicated time to talk about it I do remember at one point he said look I feel like all we talk about is we need to kind of start having some boundaries in a way and and that gave us that it gave I knew that I could offload and he would listen (laughs) so um that was a a real lifeline for me um and I would also say my mom my mom's just been amazing um she was would always be there like after every follicle scan I'd be on the phone to her (laughs) whether in tears or or hopeful um and yeah I'm just so lucky to have such a supportive family because I know many people who are going down the donor conception route if they've not told them that this is the path they worry about what their family may think because there's also that loss of genetic link there but I've just been so lucky to be supported so my life raft has been very much people focused um and in terms of other more practical things at the time I acupuncture didn't really work for me I tried acupuncture as something to but reflexology really did and Again, I don't know whether it was a people thing because I just really connected with my reflexologist and I felt like she was almost like a little counsellor for me. I'd go and download whilst having that relaxation and and um, it made me feel like I was doing something positive towards my own self um, and how I was feeling. Um, but yeah, I'd say those were my main things in my life raft. And now today, um, it's community and connection because although kind of the account is designed to help others it's helped me massively as well and just I have a whole ream of people now who have got a family through donor conception so I know that as the girls grow up we're going to know other families it's not going to feel that different um and yeah just through my writing really um being able to write about it and I know you talk a lot about journaling it's something I've never really done and but coming to write a blog you do kind of feel like you can just put your thoughts out on paper and and also actually video blogs and things like that I found that a really useful tool just to talk it out I'm if something's bothering me I'm not I can't just sit on it and be quiet <laughs> I have to talk it out with somebody um and so just yeah having that outlet of understanding and people who who get it um has yeah, just been such a lifeline and has really helped me develop as a person and as a parent as well, because I feel like you're continually learning. And some of the things I wrote about two years ago, I look back and my views have shifted. And it's it's amazing how you, and I think it's just amazing how time can really 
be such a healer and and change things I think quite often when you're in a moment it's very hard to see beyond and see the possibilities of how things might change or kind of that grief will lessen um as you grow and so yeah I think it's it's just being very reflective that's helped me as well I think it's just and I'm almost in some ways grateful for the whole experience now because I wouldn't be who I am today I wouldn't be I don't think I'd be as conscious a parent as I am um I think I'm much more grateful for the kind of the moments that we share that otherwise I think I may have taken for granted a little bit um and yeah I just and I'm now doing a job which I absolutely love and feel so much um kind of reward from and I just feel like it's making a difference and and I've put myself back in the shoes of where I was five six years ago knowing that I can make that a little easier for somebody else who's going through that now it's just um yeah it's amazing yeah, I love that. So I love you. Your your life raft sounds like a party, to be honest. I'd quite it, like yeah, to be right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, that totally makes sense that it's people, it's community, it's connection, and it's so mm. important. I mean, we're human beings, we need that. And you know, I I've recently been talking a little bit about loneliness on my on my Instagram and just talking about what happens when we um you know when we do retreat we're not able to share because we we are met with those comments which aren't supportive and that invalidate our feelings so the the you know the vital importance of having a space where you can express mm. how you're feeling and not have to worry about how it's gonna go down you know and with people that who really understand and particularly with donor conception as you know you created your amazing platform your path to parent hub so just before we we go just share how people can get involved with that how they can find you and what you can what, what, what you get yes um so it's um the link is all in my bio and instagram so you can find me on instagram defining mom um there's also an instagram account for paths to parenthood as well um there's so much going on on there i couldn't really fit it into my own feed so um so it's a membership platform um for people to join um and with that you will have access to the resources so um i hold a webinar every single month with an expert on a particular topic relating to quite often relating to the emotional side of donor conception that isn't really talked about anywhere and I couldn't really find any information on so things such as worries around attachment and bonding um things such as um talking to my child how do I do that and worries things like how might my child feel and that's also bringing in um, not only people with professional experience so psychologists and counsellors but also people who have got lived experience as well so I hold live chats with people who have been through sort of solo parenting um, the male perspective as well which is so important and even rarely talked about it's um, looking at pe- parents who are later down the line, what challenges have they faced and how have they overcome them? Um, and then also hearing from people who don't conceive themselves, because that is a really important perspective that is kind of only really just being talked about as these people who are conceived in that way are becoming adults and are finding their voice and there's a lot to learn from them so I've, I've actually got a live chat this week with a couple of ladies who were conceived uh, via sperm and egg donation and so it's all about creating conversation and I'm there just to facilitate it all. I'm not, I don't never claim to be the full on expert in the field, but I feel like I've got such a network now that I'm able to curate this information that you can go and access in your own time at your own leisure. You can sit and watch it on your own. If you've got a partner, you can sit and watch it together. And my hope is that it will spark those conversations, help you feel less alone, validate some of those worries that you're having um but there's also a community uh, within a private app as well so there's the opportunity to kind of if you're having a bad day you're having you've got a question that you really want to answer you post it in the community and they are so supportive and so lovely and people will respond and you'll you'll just feel less alone and I know people have now started to meet each other locally through it um and then I also hold support groups as well so there's a virtual chance to come together um I had some people from Australia just this weekend um and we're starting to branch out with some other hosts as well so people who have been down this path so basically I'm hoping it's got everything you will ever need if you're going down that path to to explore and and take in as you want and and 
kind of in the way that you want as well from wherever you are in the world and hopefully eventually the events will come back at some point and I'll be able to hold an in-person event um but I'm just waiting for COVID to die down a bit now I don't really want um any more interruptions at the last minute we don't want that in the mix oh it's just amazing becky thank you so much for sharing that and to say that if you're a life raft member you do get a discount on your paths to parent hub membership as well so there's a nice little little collaboration we've got going on there isn't there becky Um, (laughs) but it's just yeah it's it's just incredible and what's really amazing as well what i'm really interested in too and at some point i'm definitely going to do something on this but it's like just as you were saying there as well like how we have supported each other on instagram how there are actually now a network of us who have kind of you know started our things through this and women sporting women and women in business and just all this other stuff I just feel like there's a whole other conversation there which I'd really like to go down at some point um but that even that comes from this amazing you know journey of self-exploration that happened during fertility and the fact that you know you you were saying that I'm actually kind of grateful for it in a weird way because it's actually given you so much which you wouldn't have had in in other ways and I I feel exactly the same about my experience too so I think as that's another little bit of hope that for people listening who are in the middle of it and I know how shit it is when you're you know when you're in in the middle of it and we we would never you know take away from that but a little bit of hope that that there is stuff that that comes out of it which is so you just can't get it from from any other yeah. place um no. that's a bit that's what I went off off piece there a little bit but I feel like <laughs> yeah no I totally get it and I think it, I remember back when I was in the middle of it if someone would have said to me oh don't worry this hope you it will change you for the better I'd have gone it's on a punch yeah, right. <laughs> yeah but it is one of those things that once you've been there you, you you're growing you're kind of experiencing things that you wouldn't have done before and you're, you're learning ways of coping and, and different things even though when you're in it it can feel really shit and yeah, yeah like you're the only person but yeah and yeah what you said about kind of connection and collaboration it's just been amazing to see all of these amazing supportive resources come up from just people at home on their Instagram and yeah I've just loved having you to connect with and bounce off and and it just gives you that confidence really I think and yeah, yeah. so women supporting women and, oh, I love it I love it. Brilliant. And it's giving, you know, and it's hopefully, you know, changing the narrative as well. So when your girls grow up, if they go to the GP, you know, they are going to have much more of a voice behind them. They're going to have an army of, you know, people who have been fighting now to get women's health and this conversation out there for all of this, you know, all of these years. Um, and it's, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I see how totally vital it is and how much we need to change things so so yeah go us go women (laughs) and go you becky you're just brilliant thank you so much for your time today and um go and find becky defining one defining mum on instagram paths to parent hub on instagram and obviously all the links and everything on the website there and in the show notes as well lots of love becky thank you so much thank you so much a massive thank you to Becky and as I said at the beginning do go and find her she is defining mum on Instagram and it's paths to parent hub also on Instagram and the website everything in the show notes as well so do go and have a look and you know what even if you are not in the position to be considering donor conception even if donor conception is not um, something that is part of your story as it isn't um, part of mine I think that by hearing these stories by opening the dialogue by smashing down these taboos it just makes it so much easier and so much better for all of us for everybody to understand um much more about this side I've certainly learned such a lot since I started sharing my story and listening to other people talk about all kinds of different routes to parent parenthood so massive thank you Becky thank you for all the work that you do it's absolutely amazing and so needed and I know that actually lots of my uh, life raft members are also members of paths to parent hub we offer slightly different sorts of of support and both both much needed 
So thank you so much again for being here, for listening, for being part of this community, for engaging, for sharing, all of that stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. This podcast wouldn't exist without you. So thank you. And do share it, send it to your friends, send it to your family, screenshot it, pop it on Instagram, leave me a review on Apple. That's the biggest, biggest thing that you can do. If you have been listening to this podcast and you keep meaning to do it, like today is your day go 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 um thank you from the bottom of my heart it means the world and i will see you for our next episode there's just um couple left now in this series two more fabulous guests two more brilliant conversations um and i do have a lot of uh stuff coming up uh, that i'm offering in terms of support and um more so go and have a look at my website this is alicerose.com keep an eye on my instagram uh, this is alice rose and i will see you very soon take care